Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hoops Crew Media Network. This is episode, I think it's nine of the summer series. I, I am joined, well, my name is Ben Reed, but I am joined by my co-host, Paul James. And guess what? We've got him back again. Can you believe it? Phoenix Foster is back again. We haven't changed clothes. Well, maybe you put, put a different hat on, but uh, <laughs> can you believe it? We're back for another episode where we're going to ask about 10, about 10 questions. Uh, welcome, Paul. Welcome, Phoenix. Hey, mate. Hey, what's board? going on? Not much other than talking about cats and talking about AFL 40 as we always do. But let's get cracking. Let's get straight into it. This episode's about game day and game day stuff. You've got to come up with a topic title or whatever. Uh, all right, first question is, now, I might, just so we don't talk over each other, I might let you go first, Paul, uh, and then Phoenix, if you want to respond to it. Paul's really, oh, really we can let answer. We can let the real talent take over. That's fine. No, no, yes. no, no, no. <laughs> Phoenix was playing it very safe in the last episode, so we'll see. We'll see how he goes this time around. All right, first question: Why can't we get the clash strips right? Why is it every time you tune in, you've got two teams wearing blue or two teams wearing red? What What is going on, Paul? Tell me, what do we need to do to get this right? Um, we. I feel like there was a point in time, and I don't know, maybe that mid to mid mid noughts sort of period, the mid two thousands. I felt like things were by and large pretty good. And then I think uh, dollar signs get involved and you let more voices in get involved and suddenly things start getting really messy. Because, I mean, look, I can understand that there are some that are similar-ish. Um, and there's a little bit of work that needs to be done with that. But, yeah, I think we just got a little bit, oh, how can we extract as much as possible out of this? Because people will still buy their alt, alt jerseys and I don't want to be too... To, to begin too negative because I've literally just invited myself into this call anyway. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I think there's there's a little bit of dollars and cents and then I think we just got a bit carried away and kind of lost sight of what the actual purpose was for them in the first place. What do you think? I, I'm going to take this back to Geelong. Our old strip where it's inverted navy blue base, I love it. Like, I, I think that's awesome too. I love our clash strip. And we I think we've, we didn't wear it once last year. We wore it for training a couple of times, like captain's run. Oh, I love it. Like, it's my favourite Guernsey that I have. We get to keep a couple of our Guernseys at the end of the year. I genuinely think it's, like, my favourite Guernsey. But we never get to wear it. And I'm like, I don't really see why we have it then. Like, if we're not going to use it on a big Friday nighter against Collingwood, for instance, and they don't wear, like, their like the magpie maybe, V on their chest, what's the point of having it? What's the point of having a Clash Guernsey if we can't have fun, like, with... Yeah, Guernseys. And I understand some of them clash, but... What if you wore, like, what if the club said, we're going to roll out with this neon yellow number? It's completely nothing to do with the blue and white, whatever, but it's, you know, NBA teams do it all the time. It's like, what is going on here? Uh, it's just something completely different, uh, or it's got to be, no, no, it's got to be still in that, we're going to be playing, it's got to be something similar to what we're familiar with. I like the inverted colour as well. I thought that was a great uniform. My favourite one, incidentally, is the retro one with the collar. I think it's great with the off-white yes. or the... It's just gorgeous. Well, chef's kiss. Um, I don't know, but could you see something completely different, like a, a bright pink number rolling out there against Collingwood, you know, whatever? <laughs> no, it's clearly I hope not. not. <laughs> <laughs> the body language says no. Mm. <laughs> Was it potentially just this year when it came to, oh, sorry, 2023, I should say now? Um, in, in the case of us not wearing the clash, was it potentially just a byproduct of us being the home team in those various games? Was it just a coincidental thing, maybe? I think so, because you saw like Hawthorne went to their V a lot, 
and I, I, I like I don't enjoy watching Hawthorne much, but like good, as good a fa- as a person right grew up in a fa- as a person grew up in a family of Hawthorne supporters, you might get told to turn the game on because they might be surprisingly winning, but like they, they wear the V or they other like Sydney wear their V for the or they yeah. wear it for their home. I game like the Sydney one. I think yeah. it's great. I think it's cool. I hope not everybody gets a V. It's kind of a bit uniform, but. I genuinely like. I think the Clash Guernseys, if done right, are, re- are really good. And I think there was a yeah, like Paul said before, there was an era there where they were great, and then they became iffy and kind of yuck. And I think where if we can just go back to it, just being fun and and chance to do something different, um, I think it can be done really well. And make a bit yeah. of coin along the way for the clubs. Um, it's, uh, you know. Yeah, I think if you can get a good one, people will buy it regardless. You don't need to exactly. come up with multiple different variants and that sort of thing. And as much as it's not about dolls and cents, I kind of draw a comparison to the way, oh, geez, the way the anthem gets done sometimes at different... Um, <laughs> it is it is the, the national anthem and there's a kind of way you do it, but then you'll always get someone who tries to put their little bit of extra spin or flair yeah. on the whole thing. Doing backflip while they're singing um, it. And, yeah. and I, I think yeah. it's a similar sort of thing here where because we haven't kind of locked down on what is the alt strip, or the you know the class strip or whatever it happens to be, you get you solicit other voices and so someone's a little bit of creative flair comes in here and someone's a little bit of creative and you never get you never get something consistent nothing that kind of people can lock in and guarantee. So I think that's as much as it's a weird parallel. I think there's there are parallels there and kind of if we can just nail something down, go this is good and stick with it, people will buy it. There's no issues there. It's about dollars and cents and that will sort itself out. I, I, I was a big uh, David Wojcicki fan back in the day, and I remember having a clash group. The Cats had a, I think it was the the uh, GFC mm. logo, and I had the claw marks down the Guernsey. I think it was some, something like that. Um, I only wore it a couple of times, but that was big when I was in my early 20s or something like that. All right, next question. Should player, should there be player names on Guernseys? Uh, Foster's not too many letters here. It fit that on reasonably nicely. James, pretty much similar. My name, Reed as well. Uh, Colin Dashney, I don't know how he's going to go with the, his name on the back of his Guernsey, but uh, what do you reckon? We'll start with you first on this one, Phoenix. What's your thoughts on the Guernseys on the back? As a spectator, maybe watching on the telly. Oh, I'm going to par- I'm going to draw a conclusion or draw a. I don't know. I don't even know what the word is. Like you're on the test. Yeah, that's the word. Um, you know when the test players started doing it and they put the numbers on the back as well. Yes. I still don't like it. I still think oh. it goes against everything that cricket is. It's You should just have your whites. You don't need a number. You don't need a name. I feel like football is the same. And the, the, this is very similar to the last episode I was on. I was very black and white about the, some topics. And I but, loved it, by the way. Um, <laughs> I'd feel like, yes, there's 22 guys. And if you could figure out a way to do it neatly without it looking tacky, you could do it. But I just feel like you don't mess with it. I don't feel like you mess with the Guernseys look fine. Like the Guernseys, I don't feel like you can make small, subtle changes, but a, a, a name could just throw it all off, I reckon. Before you jump in, Paul, I want to ask a follow-up for Phoenix. If you get your debut this year, Phoenix, I don't know how many players have debuted for the Catters, but let's say you're 1,046, I don't know, whatever it is. Do you want your number somewhere on that Guernsey? I think that's a very different like the, idea. Like and the I, test I match think it is different. I think that's a much better idea, though, because on the Test Match Guernseys, those shirts, they do yeah. have their little number. I feel like if that was just underneath the logo, like here, yeah, fine, go for it. I think that's a great idea. Or if it was on the back, fine, that's go for it. That's just for you. It's not for the TV crowd. It's just for no. you. You can see it. It's and in the close-up. 
But if everybody had their little number, it's kind of like your little legacy. Um, I definitely think, I think that's a great idea. That's a much better idea than putting a name on the back. Like, are you going to arc the name or are you going to go underneath? You just, <laughs> just short I don't know. And if it's a big, long, hyphenated name, it's just got to wrap around the whole number. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just like Special K, I reckon. That's just what it is. Just you might, actually, you might go nickname Guernsey, Sam, if it's yeah, too long. Like, I love yeah. a nickname Guernsey. You love that. Anyway, Paul, what do you think? What do you think? Um, Straight back. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much with Phoenix. I actually love that that number sort of idea too. I think that's a, that's a really cool little thing. Uh, I guess a bit like what Phoenix and I discussed when we had our episode about premierships and kind of maybe the little trophies or something that are kind of sitting on the on the jerseys there. Um, I think you know pretty similar and work really well. When it comes to the names, now I'm completely against it. Um, the numbers and I guess you know I guess the history of the number on the back is very very different. Of course, there's that many players on the ground. There's so much movement. Having a number is a very important tool to be able to pinpoint someone. From from a pack of players, but when you go and add a name to that, I'm trying. I'm looking at this totally through like a practicality sense for those who are trying to consume the game. Um, that number has to get a little bit smaller. It's smaller again if it's a big hyphenated name. No offense, to those people, but you take you're going to take up even more real estate. Um, so that, that thing gets smaller and it actually becomes harder for the people. You know, imagine the people up in the nosebleeds, not necessarily wanting to be in the nosebleeds, but are there and they can't. It's hard enough to see as it is. Um, you pinpoint who each player is let alone that number getting a little bit small to allow space for a name as well. So, yeah, just I think for all the kind of sentimental reasons we discussed, but also on a practical side, I just don't think it works. All right, so we all agree on the uh, player 1046 number or whatever it is. We're probably well, not split. I think I'm probably the only one that would be open. To, I'd probably be open to the player name on a Guernsey on a, on a given round or in pre-season or something like that. I don't know throughout the year if that's the way to go but um but what about this one should club captains should should paddy dangerfield roll out next year with a club armband like they do in the soccer you know this is the captain he's got the captain's armband on we know he's the captain is that is that a silly question uh paul i'll start with you on this one is that should a captain wear something that signifies them as a captain uh little asterisk next to their name or i don't know something like that what what should we do or just go no no it's just it's on paper that's good enough Again, maybe you could have a similar sort of low-key thing on the jumper, but I'm still not overly crazy about it either. Um, also, Phoenix, you would be number 1,113 when you debut this season. And I say when. Lucky when, yes. When. I'm, saying, I'm saying your first cab off the rank this year too, by the way. <laughs> we'll see. We'll Shifting some tin. So, um, um, yeah, maybe something super low-key, but that would be as far as I'd want to go as well. I don't... I, we already know who the captains are on the field and they, they make their presence felt by the way that they play the game and they're noticed because of those sorts of things. And I don't, I don't think we need to be glorifying anyone. We've already got a bit of a problem with tall, tall poppy syndrome in the, in, in Australia anyway, let alone kind of, I mean, we've already got players that kind of rise to the top and kind of get smacked around because of it. I know the captains would be there for a different reason, but it just invites it. So no, let's just keep it, keep it simple. Again, maybe low-key on the jumper, but that's about it. The only only thing I could suggest, maybe, is in the NFL, they wear a little C right here on their opposite side. That's the only only way, maybe, if you could do it, I reckon. Um, I, don't underst- I, don't, I don't think the armband's the correct way to do it. I feel like that's very European. That's very soccer. Um, I don't think you change the shorts or anything. I feel like maybe the only way you do it is to kind of go down the NFL route. They wear the little C. It's only there for the captains, maybe. Uh, um, 
But I don't think, yeah, I think I think the captains are well known within the league. I feel like they carry enough responsibility as it is. I don't feel like it's necessarily a necessity that they need and something extra on their Guernsey or on any part of their body. I think you're right. Yeah, I think I think the C, if anything, is probably all you really need. I think. Mm. Uh, bands. I mean, we wear, we're wearing bands on our arms most weeks anyway. Cause, yeah, we're just paying respect or, or, or something when someone's passed away. So I think we just leave it for that reason and, and uh, maybe something. Well, just nothing at all. I think it's probably enough. The captain always is the first to walk off the ground and all that. So good enough. Uh, here's a silly question, and I, uh, as you know, Phoenix, sometimes yes. I sprinkle these in to get a rise out of Paul. Uh, <laughs> Get a so, rise out should, of me. Bloody hell. As, well, maybe. Should players enter the arena one by one? Number 19, Phoenix Foster. Woo! The fireworks go off. Player um, number 1,113. Are we going to? Uh, no, nah, <laughs> like, this is, if you had a small team, there's a reason it works for basketball and there's a reason they True. do it for the starting five. It's small, it's quick, it happens. If you're trying to do 22 guys, you might have to start the game an extra half an hour later. Like that, that's how that's how long it would take. By the time you're saying everybody's name, number, um, the crowd goes woo, like you're gonna save it for the grand final day. If it was just days. if it was just the captain, if it was just the captain, maybe. Like maybe you'd think about yeah. it. Or if it's like if you introduce Tom and Patrick together, cool. Crowd goes a little bit extra nuts. Maybe but, uh, if it's a milestone, like a you know yeah, three hundred yeah. game, that sort of thing, you could kind of lean into it a little bit and kind of that's I think a, in no, terms no, of that like acknowledgement that. and celebration of the individual, I think you could do that sort of thing. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. I that's just not feel like if you're trying to do if you're trying to do one by one, that'll take you so long. And then otherwise the away team will just be over on the other side of the ground warming up for an extra twenty minutes. Like yeah. you'll just be <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stop them, stop them, I say. Uh, well, no, no, but then then they're gonna get their turn as well and like you're going to start to cool down. So, well, I'm going to jump ahead, and I'm going to answer that one by jumping ahead to question seven. So, uh, should we ban the club song for away teams? So they've walked up, they've come to Cadenia Park, uh, they've run out. There's nothing. There's nothing that plays. It's, we just turn the volume right up when the cat has come out. But stuff the Swannies when they rock up, stuff uh, Richmond when they turn up. Uh, it's just the cat song. What, is that realistic? Is that stupid again? Again, maybe this is one off strength and it's a little bit silly, but what do you think? Anyway, anyway you go go from this one. If, if every team, and, and you know, I kind of draw parallels to a lot of the American sports, if every team had its own stadium, that's you could maybe do it. We don't. So for us, for us, you know, Geelong centered people, we're like, yeah, sure, and let's you know make it a little bit harder for the opposition. But then when you go to a game at the G and say it's Carlton and Essen, for example, who you know have equal say, or Collingwood, you know, and, you know Collingwood Richmond got an equal say over that ground and regardless of whose game it is, it's probably close to a 50-50 split in attendance anyway. It kind of, it, it kind of falls over a little bit. Um, I don't think you quite get the the impact. It would work well at Geelong or any of the interstate um, grounds, unless, of course, it's kind of a, a derby or something like that. So, yeah, I just don't, I don't think it works because we don't have a unique ground for every team and that ownership that you can kind of build this theatre around it? I feel like it would be, yeah, like Paul said, if every team had their own ground, you could do it and it might just be like, here come the Sydney Swans over the PA and it'd be really full flat and be like... Real flat, (laughs) real flat. Like real flat. But I feel like there's also, we play the club song as 
like they've got that they've got fans there. It doesn't matter like where you are in Australia, the other team will always have some fans. And it's more of a respect thing, I reckon, more than anything is here comes Sydney, we'll play their song. Maybe we turn it down a couple decibels so it's not as loud. <laughs> but yes. But there's like little maybe, kids that are going for their first game and they should be able to hear their team song and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, and I feel like it's a song by mistake, you know. Well, we've seen that happen before. That I feel like it, it, it'd, be pretty, it'd be funny. It would be genuinely hysterical if every team had their own stadium and we just didn't play the away song and they just got announced over the PA. That would be hysterical until it's your turn to run out in Optus when, when it's massive. There's seven yeah. Geelong fans there. And it's like, this is daunting. But <laughs> or you're in the MCG and it's a Collingwood home game and you've got every single Collingwood fan booing the life out of you and you've got no resistance. It's just booze and no club song, nothing. So, yeah, it would be it'd be interesting. It might be a little bit intimidating, actually. You don't want to debut to that? No, no, you'd be rocked. Absolutely rattled. Um, oh, or you might feed yeah. off it or you might really... You could. Buy, like, you might, might buy into it, yeah, but... Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's a funny idea, and if, if executed properly, could be could be fun. We just accidentally—I don't know who plays the song or whose job that is at the club or in the AFL—but maybe just give them twenty and say, maybe just don't push the button when they run out and see what happens, just for a laugh. All right, let's let's straighten up and come back. Let's come back a bit. Uh, should uh, should we answer this? number five, Paul? I don't know. Should players from the away team be introduced? Uh, I mean, the home team aren't really like you. Kind of get the. Ah. You get the low key really. thing over the over the scoreboard. We do it separately, but the it's, screen. It's on the screen. Yeah, it kind of shows one, who the sponsor might be and that sort of thing. But it's not really nows per se. There's not. It's not baked into the the pregame sort of theatrics, nah. which means you'd then have to start doing that formally at every single game to then allow something for the opposition. So no, no, I think it's a pretty pretty easy no for that. Yeah, one. you just leave that one alone, I reckon. Yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward. Now this one, I think there's a change in the AFLW for this question. So. Um, do away teams or should away teams need to wear white shorts? Uh, I think the AFLW said no. We just go with um, your, your primary colour or a, or a different or a different colour. Uh, I don't know why we just get changing the short colour every, every week. I, I actually like Geelong wearing the white shorts because uh, I think that suits our, uh, our uniform a lot better. But for other teams, I don't know why they feel the need to. I've calling what I'm happy to, for them to wear black shorts all the time. I just don't know why you need to make the change, but. Maybe I'm on my own with that one. I I feel like it's just always been a thing, hasn't it? Just you go away, you wear the white shorts. I don't know. I I understand why I understand why you wouldn't do it if it didn't clash. Like unless you're Sydney, they never wear white shorts, do they? So they always wear the red shorts, don't they? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I think. Yeah, but maybe. I feel I, like I, it, I can't think of the last time I saw them not in red. Right. But I haven't been playing close enough, I guess. Oh, but I think if we play Collingwood, the navy and the blacks too similar, so somebody has to change, or I don't know, like if Essendon and Richmond have the same black shorts on, but it's only got a two little red and yellow stripes down the side, it's probably not enough of a differentiator. I don't reckon. Yes, they've got a different coloured sash, but I feel like that to look at on TV, that'd be very, very funny. See, I chuck um, Richmond in the in the yellow shorts for that one. Or, or Essendon, Essendon with the red shorts, I reckon rocks. I love that. Occasionally, it used to be something from back in the 90s or the 80s, but... Yeah, um, so maybe... It doesn't have maybe to be white, though, is what I'm saying. Maybe something that actually matches with the jumper itself rather than yeah. this colour or that like colour. I feel like Geelong get caught out, though, because we are white and navy. Yeah. So 
I feel like yeah. we're in a bit of a bind there. But no, I understand what you mean. If you just went to a different colour altogether, um, yeah, it could work. You happy with that, Paul? Yeah, no, no real great expansion of I think uh, to to that one at all. All right. Next question: Should we ban? And this isn't my feeling. When I ask the question, it's not my personal feelings. But should we ban cheer squad banners? Should we run out? Do we even run through them these days? Are we just kind of lifting them up and, uh, or do some of the players even just run around the outside sometimes because they've got these superstitions? But uh, I feel for the cheer squad members because they've got so much time and effort into it, but it just seems to be not what it used to be in the 90s and the 80s and, and the early noughties, though. Maybe not so much. The to be fair, they were much poorer. Like the quality of them was much worse. So they would just yes, get exactly. the players yes. go through. And so there's the real theatric around it, just yeah. smashing open. Well, <laughs> Less, less so, I think there was probably less tape, and so there's more chance of it just disintegrating as players go through it rather than uh, these days where they're incredibly well made and, yeah, you could potentially knock someone's head off if you're not <laughs> if they're not careful. I feel like if we went back to them just disintegrating as we ran through it, it'd be way more... Players would be way more inclined to just bash through them. Um, but no, I, I haven't ran through one of ours yet. Soon, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Definitely. But, yeah, I, I watch from the stands and then they all just go under it. They all just lift it up or they might take a tiny bit with them. But, um, yeah, if they were just made a little bit less heavy duty and uh, a little bit less robust, maybe you'd, they disintegrate a tiny bit and it's a bit more of a show. But I feel like that you have to it. keep it, though. Yeah, like the cheer squad, they rock up every week. I don't feel like you, that's something you get rid of. I'd be don't use the packing no... tape around the to, for the cellophane or whatever. Just let them burst through somewhere. Something they're actually going to give away. I don't know. Yeah, maybe some button buttons or uh, you know. I kind of want to know why why the actual I mean, yeah, why why they've kind of become so much more heavy duty. Why why did we move away from that? Was it because the AFL didn't want kind of everything shattered all over the ground beforehand? If if that's part of it, then you're not going to, I guess, go back the other way in terms of the the quality yeah. of the make of these things. At which point, things will just continue the way they are. Um, I mean, I like, the, I guess, the core idea of going through the banner. I'm totally for it. Um, it's a great way to send a message to the fans for sponsorships. You've also got one side you can kind of do that again when it comes to milestones. It's an opportunity to celebrate that as well. Um, and. Do we really? I, I don't follow every single international sport, but do we really have that elsewhere? No, I think <laughs> we might be that. We might be the only sport that does it. I reckon club club songs at the start and a banner. Uh, it's very Australian. Well, it's very AFL. I probably should say. So um, I'm all, I'm all for it sticking around just because of that reason. That's kind of unique as well. Yeah. Tell you what, I want to see. I want to. Unique. When you get unique your Either your day, you probably can't run through the banner first when you make a debut, Phoenix, because I think that's probably Paddy's job still. Uh, but maybe when you play your 50th game, I just want you just to run and run at that thing <laughs> as hard as you can. The double hand and bang, just knock it down. Oh, God. Through. But it's the Billy Brown, the style karate chop one where he, where he went through. <laughs> Who was he trying to take out when he did that? I don't want you just to sort of lift it up and la la la. It's just really got to go 100% at it. Um, oh, it's funny, though, because I like to be last out the race. Oh, so I don't okay. feel like I might, I might not even be. It might, there might not even be like a banner to go through. I might just have to like run through a little tear in the middle. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> might have to maybe change it up for one game. But if I play badly, I'll still keep the shorts dishes. and keep it for later. Yeah, just tuck in the sock or something, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right, all right. Uh, should the AFL introduce a morning game? So when I say, okay, so not talking about eight o'clock in the morning, what about if we start a game at 11.30 in the morning? 
on a uh, Saturday or a Sunday. Are we are we open to that if that helps um, staggering out, you know, the, the TV fixture throughout the day? Uh, as someone who I loves get- to sleep in. No, nah. I think I think we need more two o'clock games though, or two thirty games. I feel like that's a must. I feel like, yeah, most of the general viewing public are doing stuff at uh, probably a local sport at two o'clock. But I, I this is my opinion. Um, I think two thirty is the best time slot to play football in any league anywhere. I think it's middle of the afternoon. I think that's that's my opinion. It's just the best time to play sport is 2.30 in the afternoon. I think we need more games there, but I think you won't get as many viewers on TV. You won't get as many people through the gates, so you'll they'll resort to playing the games in the twilight or night. Um, but I definitely think that needs to be addressed by the AFL for sure. Well, you've got a couple of little kids at home. Are you thinking it works better for you to get them there at 11.30 in the morning or you need a little bit more time to get them um, going? I guess I'm not thinking about it through the lens of my kids at their current age. It's more probably once they are playing junior, you know, if they're playing junior footy or junior sports of some sort, that I think the timing of that 2.30 in the afternoon-ish sort of slot is the right one because it allows the juniors to play, most of them anyway. Like, you you know, a lot of the junior comps, it's maybe your 15, 16-year-olds that are kind of rolling out in that mid, mid-afternoon, mid that kind of 2.30 sort of window. But for you really little ones, and the AFL is trying to get more young kids through, well, you need to make sure it's at a time that's accessible. If they're busy yeah. playing their own game, well, then they can't attend. True. It's no good. Um, so, yeah, through that through that lens. Um, also, when it comes to, I think, the 2.30 or well, that afternoon slot, like if you want to make it more appealing, then it's you know kind of down to the fixturing and kind of plotting out a little bit strategically as to which teams are going to be playing because you can build that that time slot back up. Some of the best games I think I've, yeah, I've ever seen have been ones in that slot. I certainly think about um, Geelong and Hawthorne when Jimmy Bartell kicked that behind. And, you know, there's there's a whole range of different... I mean, obviously, grand finals and those sort of things are all in that window too. But, mm, like, there's been some brilliant games that run, and with neutral teams that run in that slot. It's just a bit like how the AFL's trying to get Thursday night up and running. And they've been really strategic about that by kind of making sure it's an interstate team um, because, obviously, just the, the sheer lack of number of teams relative to Victoria means that there's more chance you're going to fill that stadium out um, I think it's a similar sort of thing. Like if you if if you're really strategic about the teams that you put in that two thirty in the afternoon slot, he, these are the games for the week. This is the one that makes the most sense because we're going to maximise our numbers. Go for it. I could see uh, uh, take away from other teams who are then still in the nighttime slot because obviously that is the prime time TV viewing time slot. Right. But you can maximise the number of people attending games because you'll still get heaps that will go to the the nighttime stuff. But you can also give yourself every chance with Saturday afternoon. You can help kind of grow that one again. Otherwise, it does become a bit of a dead slot, despite the fact that for most players, as Phoenix is saying, it's one of the most enjoyable times to play. Yeah, yeah, it would. It kind of fits nicely with just yeah, waking up and getting to the game, and you don't have to wait to don't have to think about it all day. And then all that. Too. Oh, I don't mind the idea of a twelve o'clock or twelve thirty game, and it leads into the, the three o'clock twilight sort of game, um, especially from a TV right. point of view. I have I've won. Like we played the Crows here this year. At the two o'clock or one thirty time slot, and I thought it was great. Like I was in attendance as a spectator, sitting up in the box. But like by the by middle of the afternoon, especially here, it's like it's getting dark by four thirty, five <laughs> o'clock. And um, but it, but that there's nothing better than going in the last quarter and the sun's going down. But you know it's not seven o'clock; it's four thirty. So you can go to the pub after dinner and 
talk about the game or you get home and it's not super late. Um, I, and I guess we'd lost that game, but it was a great atmosphere. You still had 35,000 roll in to a one thirty two o'clock game. Like I thought it was great. And we get home game? at a, I'm, I'm well, he might have gone down, I reckon. No, I think that's the one that is fun, and Ben will get to. No, it was GWS we played. Yeah, GWS we went down. Sorry. Oh, that one. Oh, yeah. Because I think of Adelaide and I just think of Mitch Nevitt clunking him down the wing. Like a bloody parade lounge that game, too. Spent all my money on it. Anyway, whatever. But yeah, I feel like if we could, like Paul said, we can build the 2.30 time slot back up. I feel like you it could be like a big thing again. Like I, I, I don't think there's anything better in our sport than the two thirty time slot. Yeah, it helps me because this is this is breaking news for anyone who watches the show. We're still watching at the twenty nine minute mark. We are we are doing a new show in twenty twenty four. I don't even think oh. you know this, Phoenix, but we're doing a post match or post game live show. So uh, an early finish mm. means I'm not up at eleven o'clock at night uh, yes. doing the, the post game show. So that is going to be an every week arts game day. Uh, after the game, probably within an hour or two of the game finishing, we're going to do a post-game live show. So I'm looking forward to that. So when you Phoenix are, has his debut, we call we call him in from. Oh mate, we're going to fire it up from from the locker room, from the rooms. Exactly, no, but I'll be racing home from a kid in your park uh, after watching <laughs> the Cats win and jumping on and get on the live and having chats with people that want to talk about the game because uh, we used to get that a lot more with K Rock, but we don't get this much these days. They sort of wrap it up pretty quick. All right, last question. I think it's the last question. Yep. Uh, yep. Should senior coaches be required? Again, this is probably more for a TV sort of product point of view. Should senior coaches be required to be on the bench at ground level on the bench rather than up in the box? Maybe that's a silly question, but maybe we we've got to throw a silly question at the end. But I like I actually don't mind seeing the coaches at the ground level chatting to the players. It's like like in a lot of other sports, they're on the sidelines rather than up in the sky. I reckon you've got. I reckon we're getting to the point in the AFL where you've got people that should coaches that should be doing that sort of aerial view coaching and actual coaches coaching the people on, on the sidelines. Now I know Chris Chris does it up the top, um, but a lot more coaches these days are coaching at least for parts of the game from the sidelines and having that really direct relationship with those players in, in real time. Uh, Paul, we'll start with you. What do you think on that one? Um... I think they should be able to have the ability to do whatever suits suits the coaching structure best. Um, but what I feel like will become a reality at some point will be the mandate potentially from the AFL that it has to be from the bench or it has to, like, it can't be pick and choose. It'll have to be one or the other. And I'm thinking about that through the lens that, and Phoenix, you'll be, you know, across all this stuff with the, the media availability and all these sorts of things that are kind of being um, enforced going forward. And that applies to players and coaches all on game day. Well, broadcasters are going to start to crack the shits if Chris is up here one quarter, but then he's down there the next. And like you're trying to, like, where, where is this guy and where, when's he going to be there? Like it's, it becomes harder for them to do their job, which means they'll start to complain to the AFL, which means that then, like, I feel like we'll get to this point where it gets determined for the clubs. Okay, you need to be down here because of media obligations or whatever the case happens to be. One way or the other, whether it's the box or down the thing, I think it's just a matter of time before it actually gets, the answer gets provided to the clubs. I so on the bench we do have a bench coach, so we have someone down there that's on the phone all the time. But I see Ken Hinkley do it, and I think it's, I think it's a great idea. Like you're getting direct feedback from a coach that's on the bench, um, that's seeing, it's getting messages from up top, but he's also seeing it down on ground level. He can read the emotions of the guys on the bench, what's going on. Um, I think it's a great idea. I don't think there should be a requirement. I see what Paul's saying. Um, 
but I feel also feel like if a coach thinks that he should be in there in up in the box for a quarter, but then he doesn't like what he's seeing and wants to be down on the field, I feel like there should be no restrictions in the fact that if he wants to be down on the field, he should be allowed to be on the field. I don't think they should be switching mid quarter. Maybe they if they choose it, they have to be down there for a half or something. But when you win a grand um, final, Phoenix, you've got to wander down and be on the bench. Clearly, that's that's yeah, part of the right like, passage, isn't it? But so, I think that's a bit of a different. I think that's a bit of a it's different, a different thing. Too, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the media's going to get you for a little while, regardless on grand final day. I I personally would prefer maybe maybe it's not the senior coach, maybe it's a line coach or something like someone like that um, is down on the bench. I find like myself, I respond really well to one-on-one feedback. Um, if you're getting blasted over the phone, you can kind of come across as like, well, okay, i got to yeah, take on this message. Go back there, there. Yeah. yeah, but um, no, I think I really enjoy it when I see AFL coaches do it. I think it's great. It's grassroots. That's what it says to me. It says they, they're in touch with the game. They feel like they connect better with their players like that. So I, I think it's great. I think it should be – I wish more coaches would do it. Not saying Scotty seen- needs to do it. I think Scotty no, does a great no. job, but um, I think, yeah, yeah. Sorry, to cut you off. I was going to say I think Scotty. I, I saw a video of Scotty walking around the room, like a pre-game kind of video with him, and he tries to sort of not get in players' faces too much before the game, like they were, because he's got to contain. He talks about having to contain himself and, and not over-talk it up, not not sort of give him too many different instructions, not explain everything, and he's, he almost wants to pull away a little bit to sort of give them the space on game day to do their thing, and it's more through, through the week that he's probably doing that, more of those communications. But on game day, he likes to sort of remove himself. So he strikes me as someone that would probably prefer to stay up in the box uh, and would be very uncomfortable and maybe feel like he's getting in the player's way a little bit too much, getting in their head, confusing them, giving them too many messages, and maybe he's not sure. I, I don't want to speak for Chris, but I, I remember that video I saw a while, I think it was last year or the year before, where he was very deliberate in that he didn't want to overdo it on game day. Well, I mean, oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, go on, you go, Paul. You go, Paul. No, you go. Oh. Well, I mean, my observation, like he's obviously so well-spoken in terms of the way he kind of communicates messages and those sort of things, and I think that's brilliant. But we do also see the footage of him in the box and the, you know, fist pumping, like the celebratory <laughs> ones, like, you know, overly animated at times or even just the, the when when a bad umpiring decision. I, I feel like a bit of it's also him going, I can't trust myself not to do something stupid here, which actually, I mean, for as, for as much as obviously the, the direct, you know, being able to have that one-on-one, um, is really valuable, I'm sure, for uh, for a lot of players a lot of the time. I think also if the – not necessarily bad body language, but potentially the wrong body language is being displayed, that can actually have a negative impact as well. And so, again, I think that kind of lends to that whole coach's discretion where, okay, well, where am I best going to be able to support the players? Here? Especially if that – and I imagine Scotty's still not the sort of person who gets on the other end of the phone and absolutely tears strips off someone. Maybe he is. Um, but – it allow it, it gives the coach the opportunity to still do what's right for them and the dynamic, whilst still to Phoenix's point, having people down on the on the boundary that are still good, trustworthy people that you're able to you know wha- uh, you know talk with and and get that direct feedback from that's going to be you know help service your game. I think yeah, I think it's a really interesting one. Like I just I think the way that Scotty does it, he's a great operator. He just he knows what he's done. He's done it for so long now. I don't feel like. He needs to change anything that he does because I feel like he's stuck in his routine. He knows what gets the job done. If he wants to stay out of the way of the players, there's a couple of players I would stay out of the way from pre-game. Pretty scary. Walking around <laughs> just being a spectator. I can only imagine what it's like to be a player. Um, but like it's, it is 
they give, I feel like a lot of coaches are different. Like, so I've definitely grown up, had many coaches that would want to not get in your face, but give you a give a give you a razz up before game, or they'd want to see you down one on one. Or I feel like every coach has their different style, and um, it's different around the league. If coaches want to coach from the bench or coach from the box, or they want to be more involved, hands on, or they want to take a further step back, I feel like it's very up to the person. And I feel like as long as you can get a grasp on what your group needs at any given moment, um, whether they need, maybe they need a rocket or they need um, maybe a bit of Zen just to calm them down. Like, I feel like coaches are so good at that these days and they have so much support by their line coaches and assistants um, that they can get the job done to a pretty very high standard. I think you know it all, man. I think coaches need to know what the player, what's going to work for the player. Uh, or the group, I suppose, uh, and every group's different. Uh, and the coach needs to know what's going to work, what where their strengths are as well. So is my strength more the analytical? I need to see the ground. I need to sort of understand how the pieces are moving, or is it more my relationships and one to one and that that messaging that I'm giving those individuals? And I think I think every coach is going to be different in that regard. But I also agree with what Paul said. I think eventually, the I think the AFL from a product point of view would like to see more of that those coaches on the ground footage. Uh, I've got this picture in my head of Chris Scott just running down the boundary line, skidding on his knees and just going, yeah, sort of doing like, like you see that a bit APL. <laughs> in the soccer. The catches, in the suit and all that. He's, like, yeah, just, he's gliding along up and we kicked the goal or hit the front in the grand final. Um, guys, thank you again. Great episode as always. We went a little bit longer this one, but that, uh, there's a lot of, we probably could have gone another 20 minutes really. It's a, it's a good fun chat. So thanks Paul for jumping in, but uh, more importantly, thanks Phoenix for giving up your time coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, love having you on. It's good to talk about footy in summer. Not many weeks to go until uh, at least we... No, not many weeks to go at all. Yeah. Can't wait. Hopefully we see you out there in the match sim at uh, Icon, yeah. I think it is, isn't it? Icon Park or something like that? Yeah. yeah. But no, 18 v 18 already started at training. It'll be, yeah, it's very exciting. It's not very long now at all. So, no, get keen, Cats fans. It's going to be a great year, I reckon. Get up and about now. It's time to get up and about, Cats fans. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you on the next one. Go, Cats. Go, Cats. Take care.